What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience, the podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Jack Cancel. Is that correct, Jack? Cancel. 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 Okay, okay. I like that. Well, hey, man, welcome Mm -hmm. to the show. We're super excited to have you on today and uh, tap into your story and get to know you a little better. You've given us permission to pick your brain, and uh, I think we'll do a decent job with that, man. So welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. I feel welcome. I appreciate you guys letting me come on. Yeah, of course, man. Ange, how are we doing today? We're doing good. Good. So for me, I would love to find out. Um, obviously, you're on the Elevate podcast, so there's a, an addiction element to why you're on here or recovery or feel good story. So mm-hmm. why don't you take us back to what led you to where you are today? So um, my name's Jack. I am first and foremost, I'm a Christian man. I That's my that's what I'm rooted in. That's what my foundation in is in. Um, and my purpose is to spread love, encourage other people and just build the kingdom, um, by being a servant to those around me. But during my day job, I'm a mortgage lender and kind of where my story started was, um, in relation to this podcast specifically is that I graduated high school. I'm from Sacramento, California. When I graduated high school, I went to San Diego state university, Um, I was in arguably, depending on who you talk to, the number one fraternity in um, the entire university. And if you know anything about San Diego State University, it's a very much a party school. So um, I started partying a lot um, when I joined the fraternity. Uh, First, it started with with drinking. And then throughout the the years, it um, transitioned into a lot of drug usage. Um, First, it started with um, cocaine usage, then it went to ecstasy usage. And then, um, eventually as the years went on and I met more people, um, who were kind of in that lifestyle, it started shifting more towards, um, a lot of prescription medication, which was quite prevalent at the university, which was included a lot of, um, Xanax, a lot of um, Oxycontin and opiate usage. And can I just ask you real quick, how, how were you getting that? Were you like going to doctors? Is there like, uh, were you guys going to someone on campus? Like, how were you guys feeding that sort of addiction? So it was, it was someone on campus. So um, I knew people who were in that lifestyle and had availability to those types of prescription medications, or it was sometimes someone was prescribed the medication and then they would just sell it to everyone. So that's kind of, it was, it was a mixture of the two. It was never directly doctor to myself. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This was all on the black market. And then, um, just as I, I, you know, kind of skated through college, didn't really do much right my main intention in college was partying and that's really what i was rooted on and then i um as i transitioned i graduated out and those habits um followed me back to sacramento where i'm originally from and um i feel like the way that kind of 
when you want to uh, consume a specific drug or you're in that kind of addictive, you have an addictive personality or you're in that lifestyle, you always find a way to get it oh, regardless yeah. of if, if where you are, like you could like move from one area that you're doing it. But if you move to another area and your intention is to continue that lifestyle, you'll figure out a way to do it one way or the other. And that's how it was in Sacramento. I found the same type of drugs here in the area. And I continued um, taking a lot of Xanax and doing a lot of opiates, which eventually led to me doing heroin. Um, and I was doing it a, a lot. It, the Xanax was probably worse than the heroin just because I was doing it at work. I was doing it um, like four or five times a week. And I was also doing a lot of heavy alcohol consumption as well. And um, that continued from about 2014 to about 2018. In 2018, I went to a Tony Robbins conference and then- oh, hold, hold on, I just want to back you up one sec because I just yeah. a little clarification. So you're a young adult at this time. You're obviously not living with your family. Did they have any idea about this use or what was going on? Did, was there anybody like alerted or alarmed by what was happening or were you flying under the radar? So there was one, um, I mean, I think they kind of had suspicions, but there was one specific instance that happened. There were two instances. First one was when I crashed my, I did it, crashed my car on Xanax and I did a hit and run and oh, I man. was on my parents' insurance and the insurance company called mom and she was like, what the, what happened? Right. So that was the first time. And then the second time was, I mean, I was just on a huge bender and I like um, went to my parents' house for one reason or another. And they, she kind of just saw the state that I was in. So she was some, she was aware of what was going on. I just don't know if they were like that aware of how bad that it got. So it wasn't something that was um, completely undercover um, just because at times my demeanor and my actions would reveal what was really happening behind the scenes as much as I didn't want them to. Right. Out. But like, right. but you weren't at the point where you were stealing from them or robbing them or, no. or, you know, jobless. So it was also a little bit probably undetected about how bad it yeah. was because you were sort yeah. of functioning. Yeah. I was, I was, I was still, like, I still had a pretty good job. Right. I was yeah. uh, still a mortgage lender. Now, was I doing it to the best of my ability? No, not at all, but I was still making money. Right. So it wasn't one of the, didn't get so bad to the point where, I was completely off the deep end, but I was off the deep end, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah, so, um, that lead, led me, uh, um, I was still making poor decisions throughout, um, from when I, from 14 up to 18, which is when I kind of, I went to the Tony Robbins conference. And then from there I started, um, I started the process of changing my habits and um, putting the structures together to begin changing my life. But even then I was still making poor decisions and really uh, what in 2019, I started getting more into fitness and I started going back to the gym. So in order to meet your goals in fitness, you can't really have an addict, like an addiction problem, like with prescription pills or alcohol or food or anything. Right. Or you're just kind of, kind of going to be stagnant. So I started to make a little bit of improvements there, but then, um, the change really happened once, uh, COVID hit. Um, so I was, uh, currently at the time I was in real estate, I was an, a real estate agent. And when COVID first hit the market kind of went, 
still yeah. um, in the beginning, just because no one knew what was going to happen. Right. It was uncharted waters. No one had sailed quite yet. So um, it kind of went still. And because of my party lifestyle, I completely maxed out all of my credit cards. I had all of this debt that I had to pay off. So I, I pretty much ran out of money because of all the debt I had to pay off. And there was a fork on the road. I had to start working at a grocery store and I had two decisions I could make. I could either continue doing, making the same bad decisions. And uh, it might not have been at that time, like an everyday thing, but every two or three days when you're, you know, going back to bad habits and then you wake up in the morning and then you're ashamed of yourself and you can't even look yourself in the mirror. It's very, um, it's, it's very hard on your, on your mindset and your confidence. And it puts you in a very depressive state, or I could make the decision to continue to, um, make better decisions and really adopt that lifestyle rather than it being just a, a personal fad that I do here and there. So, um, once COVID hit, I started running a lot, a lot started running. Um, I ran like I ran seven marathons just on by myself nice. last year. So I started focusing my attention more towards fitness. Um, and then ever since then, I've kind of really just focused all of my attention on my fitness lifestyle and then growing in my faith and just trying to become the best person that I can possibly be. So that's my story on a, from a thousand feet. So, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I like, uh, I like the perspective of people's story because we always are like looking back at it, but from a thousand feet. It's hard to look at it and tell it from the ground level because we've just grown so much since mm-hmm. telling that story. So we, de- I definitely heard that in your version as well of kind of this hindsight that we have looking back at, at what occurred, you know, like yeah. uh, the fork in the road. Like at that moment in your life, did you, did you really think like, oh, wow, I got this fork in the road? Like, or was it like, I just have to do the next thing to like keep moving forward? Well, it was, it was very humbling, right? Because, you know, I'd always thought myself in this, I I, had always thought myself at a, within a certain uh, frame of mind and, um, you know, it kind of made me drop my ego. And in my personal belief, I think ego prevents people from becoming who they're born to be. Because when you're super egotistical, you are on, you have blocked in your subconscious mind, the desire to want to learn and to want to grow. So it made me, it humbled me. And it said, man, you're not like you, you, you need to, you need to get your stuff together. And as far as what you were talking about, it's just literally, if you want to grow as a person, it's one day at a time. It's one step at a time. You can't look at this big, like Mount Everest is climbed, taking one step, putting one step in front of the other. So if you want to change, you need to take it one step, one day at a time, but really one decision at a time. And then, um, you just incrementally begin changing your life once the days, the weeks, the months, and then the years, um, surpass. Yeah. So. No, that's super true, man. I like that. I think I can definitely relate to the humility or like the humbleness and like having to check the ego so that you can move forward. And the way the way I can relate to that is when I started working at Elevate, right? So mm-hmm. in Elevate, we have at Elevate, not in at Elevate, we have a training program where a client who does the treatment program could 
apply to enter in this training uh, internship, essentially, right? It's basically a sober living with a promise of a job in the future and, and you're doing all these cool things and learning how to work in treatment and, and getting your life back on track, right? But it's an internship, right? So when I applied to do it and got accepted, I wasn't making a lot of money and I was working a lot. I was working probably 50 hours a week for almost nothing, but I was doing it because I had a bigger purpose. I had a bigger mm-hmm. goal, a bigger passion. And and that me making that decision and putting my sobriety over finances or anything else altered my whole life. Just being like, hey man, you need to do this for the mission, for the goal, for the purpose, not for the money, not for the clout. Not for anything else, just that like I want to help people and I'm willing to do it almost for free. And that changed my whole life. So I definitely can relate to like I need to go to this grocery store and make ends meet and and, and try to figure it out from there and, and, and do what I think is necessary regardless of the finances or the outcomes. So I definitely mm-hmm. relate to that, dude. It changed my whole life entirely. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's pretty much why we have that there, because, you know, if people just graduate and then just want to work full time, it's like you can't, you know, it's nothing. You don't appreciate things unless you really earn them and really go through the trials to get there. And uh, that program is definitely designed to see if this is truly a passion project for somebody or just a stopping point till they figure out what they really want to do and put them through, you know, all that extensive training and working to test out, is this for you or is it not for you uh, before there's huge investments made on either side. And we find the most amazing uh, staff from, from doing that because, um, and, and I'm sure you've seen this and you kind of put yourself through this in your own little way of you've really got to earn it. And then when you've earned it, you really appreciate it and you don't take it for granted. Yeah. hundred percent. No, most definitely. Most definitely. So Jack, it sounds like you have kind of two testimonials, right? There's the the testament to like getting sober and and staying away from the drugs, but there's also like reconnecting with God as a a Christian man. Right. Where, so how, how did that play a role in kind of turning the tables for you? Was it like, were they both congruent, like getting sober, Tony Robbins, like getting your faith back in fitness, like Mm -hmm. help me with that. Like, where did that play a role? Like, uh, the like finding God again or getting back to the church. What yeah. role did that play? So it was um, Tony Robbins in 2018. Then I would say I, I started going back to church in 2019. And um, Tony Robbins was really just that first starting point the where spark. it was like, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I was like, at Tony, I was on Adderall the whole time at Tony Robbins. Gotcha. You took great to notes. Completely honest <laughs> with you. Right. So I, like I'm at Tony Robbins, like on, on, on Adderall. And I'm just like, all right, what am I doing? Like, like, why, why do I continue making these poor decisions? And then from there I um, took, I, I, I was sober for like, I think like three months or something like that. Maybe, maybe it was two months. I don't remember the exact amount of time. Um, but I would say 
everything really changed when I started reconnecting with God and started tapping into the Bible and kind of studying that. And that, and that um, really occurred in um, 20, at late, late 2019 going into 2020 is one that um, really happened. And I think that God has a plan for, um, for everyone. And that he, when you seek his guidance, he tells you, and he was telling me that I needed to um, get my act together and get sober and um, begin making better decisions and really adopt this fitness lifestyle and begin making the better decisions for a couple of reasons. One, because um, I'm never going to be able to help people if I am making poor decisions and I'm not leading from the front and leading by example. I need to be someone who um, people are attracted to and someone that people look up to based on the decisions that I'm making on a day-to-day basis. So one, that was um, just the purpose that I, that he has for my life. I needed to get my act together. Um, two, he was preparing me for some very um, unfortunate things that happened. Well, one was very fortunate. One is very unfortunate. So I met my now girlfriend in November. Um, she's an amazing Christian girl as well. She's like the woman that I'm going to marry. We're going to get engaged by the end of this, the, um, by the end of the year, Nice. It's kind of our plan. We're currently in marriage counseling right now. going to do that to tap into each other's subconscious minds and figure out, um, just more about each other. And then after that, we're planning on getting engaged. So without making that shift, I would have never, than the person or the man that I needed to be to attract her. So that was the first thing. And then second one, which was the unfortunate situation is that my mom suddenly died in March and God was looking over me because I know if I hadn't adopted the lifestyle that I have right now and shifted my focus um, towards him and towards um, growing as a person and, and growing in my faith, that that would have like broken me because if I was still making those decisions and still doing the drugs and still um, drinking heavily, then I would have really, really turned to, to it as a, um, a safeguard and a way to mask the, the hurt and the emotions and the depression. Um, so he was protecting me from that as well. So that's something that has helped me out personally and uh, within the last couple months as I'm dealing with that. One, so. um, one big takeaway I think is really important, and I heard you say it in two different contexts, but I think it's really important to highlight, and I experienced this myself and couldn't quite put it all together when I was back using, is we have this innate ability to attract what we are. So when we're doing bad things, we miraculously pull in all these bad people who are doing bad things as well. And I used to think, this is so weird. I'm in this random town, and of course we meet like the three drug addicts in this town, and it just always seemed to happen that way. But in the reverse it works in the positive as well so like you said you were in a better place you were doing good for yourself you'd re-established your 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 faith and you were able to attract a girl that was on that exact same plane and i think that's a lot of what we try to um you know communicate to people is that you know i know you think everybody you know uses but once you are better and you're you're doing better for yourself you will find people that are like-minded and doing well as well you won't be alone like you just got to elevate to that place and then you will attract people from that level Mm -hmm. definitely 
Jack, super sorry to hear about your mom, man. That's that must Thank have you. been yeah, it must have been so difficult. I think um you know, if there's, you know, any way that we can, you know, support you or whatever in that, please let us know and then kind of looking into that further too. I, you know, I've definitely experienced loss as well in my life, but was there anything that you found valuable or helpful besides the faith as far as like getting through that that period of time you know some people say there's there's no way to get through it you just do it right and it's it's dirty and it's hard and it it sucks but was there anything for you that that was like comforting or grounding in in helping you get past that or at least just kind of keeping your chin up during that time yeah for sure um for me it's 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 the fitness yeah like it's, it's my, it's my therapy. Like, absolutely. And when I say like, I'm into fitness, like I like, grab it, like it, you know, yeah. how I told, yeah. You know, how I told you that it was 110 degrees. I like ran six miles in 110. Degrees. Like, so I look for opportunities to challenge myself with fitness. If it's in the gym, uh, doing resistance training or, or if it's running. So it was doing that. And then something that's helped me out and I'm, obsessed with it is uh 75 hard i don't know if you guys have heard of it but 75 hard has helped me out so much it um it has improved my mindset it has built my confidence it's helped me overcome so many insecurities and on a day-to-day basis i know that i am moving forward so 75 hard has helped me out tremendously and just keeping those habits and just doing something every day to, to move the needle forward. Now it doesn't make it any easier, right? right? right. Like there's so random times where I, I, I have moments of sadness, but of course, just not letting, um, things bury me anymore. Like I used to, and not just letting things bury me, but picking up the shovel, digging the hole even deeper, and then throwing more dirt on top of me and bury me even further. Right. Yeah. Um, instead of doing that, I, I try and be intentional about, um, you know, my mom would have wanted me to honor her. My mom wants me to honor her. And if I wasn't continuing, um, the life that she was so proud I was living prior to her passing away, I would be dishonoring her if I were to go back into old habits and, uh, go back into really the lifestyle that made her afraid for her youngest son. So that's kind of how I got, I, I got through that time. So it's, it's really focusing on fitness and just controlling what I control with my diet, um, and water consumption working out like that. So, yeah. Wow, man. That's a huge takeaway. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you just started living even more, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. that that's kind of what I heard too. And then the 75 hard, like what a long-term goal. Also, congratulations. I'm sure you finished the 75 hard too. That's what it sounded like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So congrats. Yeah, I've, I've, done it, I've done it. I've done it two times and I'm on my third stint. There you right go. Now. That's awesome, so, dude. Yeah. It's almost, mm-hmm. it's becoming habit for you to just do 75 hards. I mean, that's kind of what happened to me. I kept yeah. failing near the end of it. So in like nine months, I did uh, almost 150 days of it with like two days off in between. Yeah, it's, um, it is yeah. life changing. I would highly recommend it for anybody. And, and I've also noticed that a lot of, and you could probably attest to this, entrepreneurs are sort of, um, 
they, they gravitate towards the program because one of the rules is no alcohol. And so it almost forces uh, seven, at least 75 days of no consumption to sort of dry yourself out and get yeah. your brain. And a lot of people really kind of need that rule there to force that. But then once they get through it and they get through the hard times, they realize, actually, I don't necessarily need alcohol to help me get through my life and my days, even if they weren't struggling per se, like a, a, you know, a heavy addiction with it, but maybe just like that weekend user, a consistent user, I think it really helps people get enough time away from it and perspective to see, does, is this really helping me go forward or is it holding me back? Yeah, no, most, most definitely. And that's uh, a lot of the people that I've known who've done it, especially being in the RTA syndicate, so many people do it. And that's the stories that I've heard from a lot of the people um, as well. So yeah, 75 hard's like a prerequisite, you know, to, to, you can't mm -hmm. just, well, I mean, it's like who you get around, you know, you get around all these entrepreneurs are trying to progress their life and they're into fitness and they're into it for a reason, you know? And I think the reason to me that the reason, I mean, what Andy says, right. Is it's a mental toughness program, right. And like becoming tougher mentally will never serve you in a bad way. And I think yep. you can find a, and I've, I've found this without 75 hard prior to 75 hard even being a thing, but the fitness is, is so important because I feel like you can't really challenge your mind. You can't prepare for what you went through in March. There's a lot of things in life you can't prepare for mentally, mm -hmm. but you can train it through fitness. You can train your mind through like the physical suffering. You can put yourself in these situations that allow your mind to become stronger for these tests that life, life throws at us that we mm -hmm. could never be prepared for. But I do yeah. think fitness and CrossFit and 75 hard plays like an immediate part in building that mental toughness that we all, yeah. we all will need at some point or other in our lives, you know, whether that's loss, trauma, addiction, whatever it may be. Life's hard and we need to be hard too. And how do we get there? 75 hard, baby. Yeah. Well, as far as for anyone in the audience that, I mean, if you're in a bad place right now, seriously, if you start adopting, moving your body and adopting um, some sort of a routine um, where you're just pushing yourself, it will change everything about you. I, I can't promote it. I can't express how grateful I am for being healthy enough to, to get into that lifestyle. But um, it's, it's changed everything for me. Like from my, and the physique part is the, the cherry on top, really. It's like just an after effect of all the rest. Cause exactly what you're talking about, the, um, the big, the stronger mindset, you're also better, um, better suited to control your emotions just everything about it, it just changes the ballgame for you so i can't can't express how grateful i am for being able to participate in that lifestyle so yeah dude absolutely and jack i'm not sure if you know this about elevate but we have a, a crossfit program for our clients for nice. the exact same reasons so five out of the seven days so sunday's the day off right at, at treatment there at elevate but five out of the other six days, there is structured CrossFit and yoga classes. So you either have to do yoga or do CrossFit. It's not like nice. uh, optional. I love that. 
it it's uh, mandatory, right? That's awesome. And I, I love that. Ironically, yeah. I'm one of the CrossFit coaches too, so I nice. I, I get awesome. to work with the mind and the body, and it's been yeah, dream job, dude. Like it, you, you I couldn't find a better gig, right? And so yeah. mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to share that with you as like that's what we do to help people find their passion, become mentally tougher learn about their body, move, get their health back. And it's, it's so funny because people, people always have these crazy testimonies about fitness, but it's true, you know, and until you do it or experience it, we sound like just a bunch of like weightlifters, you know, that are just broing out <laughs> or talking about the gym, but yeah. it's saving lives and it's changing people's lives right in front of us. And to not talk about it would be a disservice. Yeah. Well, I'll say this without it. I don't know how, if I would be able to overcome, I have overcame some of the, um, you know, bad addiction problems that I had. It's, it was an avenue that I could channel some of the addiction, um, the, the addiction mindset that I had towards positive action, which I don't know. I know you've experienced this cause you're in cross that you get a dopamine hit when you freaking are getting after it. In the Every gym. day. It's yeah. Awesome. I love it. It's like my favorite thing ever. So it was able, a way for me to channel that obsessive nature or that addictive nature that is, is deep rooted inside of me into positive action. And I've been able to really um, just change my life and change the ball game for me. So. Well, and I found it's just such a natural cure for depression. Um, you know, like, like you had oh, yeah. mentioned, you know, with, uh, before I started 75 hard, or even if I just go numerous days, if I don't work out and, and, and it took a while to get to this place, you know, I wasn't, uh, I didn't start off healthy or fit. I had zero athleticism in my background before, um, uh, CrossFit. Um, but I notice now I've developed such a good habit that if I go more than three or four days, uh, due to wherever I'm at or whatever I'm doing, I mentally start literally getting depressed. Like they're like, what's wrong with me? I get emotional. And luckily my kids have like recognized the pattern and they're like, dude, you need to go work out. Sure enough, go in the gym. (laughs) I hate working out by myself. I don't (laughs) want to do this. I don't want, you know, injury, blah, blah. Get in there an hour later. I'm like, oh my God, I feel great. Life is good. What's wrong? You know, it just immediately changes uh, your mental perspective and emotions uh, in such a positive way that I just think it's vital to every person on this planet to have some sort of exercise routine to prevent depression, to prevent addiction for all the um, physical benefits that we get from doing it. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Cause I feel the same way. Like I like half, it's like, if I don't do it a couple of days, I feel so off mentally. And I'm like, all right, okay. I know exactly what I need to do to get back on that, um, back onto that mindset and back into where I know I can, can be. So it's great to have that as an anchor. Um, that you can fall back to that's something that's positive as opposed to your anchor being something like Xanax or alcohol or something that is very destructive. Um, so, Dude, absolutely. And I think uh, a funny, like, uh, what's the word? It's It's all coming full circle for me because two things are coming up and what they are for me are directly from Tony Robbins. So and these are probably in your notes, Jack, from... 2018 but it makes me think of like the six human needs and how we meet them positively or negatively 
And and mm-hmm. when I heard that from Tony Robbins, that was like it was the best way to language exactly what we're all talking about of using Xanax and Adderall and alcohol and heroin to meet the needs that we have, whatever that they are. And all three of us have found much positive, much more positive ways to meet all those needs through fitness and faith and counseling and therapy and community and whatever. Right. So that was coming up for me too. But then also I forget what book it is from Tony Robbins. I think it's um, like, un, uh, it starts with how to or something like that. It's an older one. And he mm-hmm. talked, I remember being on an airplane reading about depression and his take on depression, Tony Robbins, and, and how depression lives in the mind and not in the body. And um, what else did he say? It was like, when people who would say when people ask me or when people tell me I'm depressed or that they're depressed, he'd always ask them how, like, how are you depressed? Like, what are you doing? What are you thinking to continue the depression? Essentially saying that depression lives in the mind, not the body. And if we can get out of the mind and into the body, it's hard to be depressed. Yeah. And I love that. There's this guy we podcasted with, Savon Matosian, and he talks about, he says, if you do 100 burpees and you're struggling for air and all you're doing is just breathing and doing burpees, there's no possible way to be depressed or feel depression. If you're only breathing and living in the body, you cannot be depressed. And so that's the cure, you know, like at least momentarily. I just wanted to share that. That's that's what's coming up for me over here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was kind of thinking of. Like, whenever I've been on like a run, like you don't get depressed when you're running ten miles. It's no. just not really, it's not really something that's um, just trying to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I love that. That's awesome. So, what does your fitness routine look like now, Jack? Like, I know you said you're doing a lot of running and and maybe some weightlifting and stuff. What does that look like? Yeah. So right now. Um, kind of the way that my day is structured is I wake up at four, I read the Bible, I pray, I journal, I read 10 pages out of a book. And then I'm at the gym probably by about six o'clock. And as far as like my fitness goals go, right. I always work out at the gym in the morning, unless it's Wednesdays. And the reason I don't do Wednesdays because I like to deadlift and I don't have time to deadlift in the morning just because it's multiple sets. Um, But I do, I do resistance training seven days a week. So I do um, two days of pull, two days of uh, push, uh, two days of leg day, one day being squats, and then one day of just core and arms. Um, So as far as my fitness goal, like my gym goals, I want to get up to 405 on a squat, and then I want to get to 550 on deadlift. Nice, dude. Yeah, and then um, 315 on bench but bench is probably my worst lift. And then as far as you running look like goes, you have long run. arms. Yeah, that's the problem. Me man. too. It's terrible. <laughs> it's all right. I'm like trying to figure out a way to do it, but these, if you got long yeah, arms, arms, you got way more to, to go. Yeah. Monkey arms don't allow me to lift very heavy on the chest. So <laughs> me neither, um, bro. <laughs> that's, a, that's an ongoing battle, but and then as far as running, I run like uh, about three times a week, um, about five miles every single session. Um, and I do that just cause honestly, I like running, but I also hate it. If you know what I mean? Like every time I'm running, I'm like, oh, this kind of sucks. But then 
like when you overcome that battle in your brain and you're like, I'm just kidding. I, I, and, and you make the decision, like I'm finishing regardless. It's good for your mindset. So that's why I like running is just to get over that initial hump in the brain um, where it's essentially saying, oh, I don't want to do it. Or you're limiting, the limiting voice in your brain is saying, I don't want to do this. And then you're, you just push forward. It's very good for the mindset. And that's also why I like running in extreme conditions, like when it's raining or when um, it's really hot outside because you always get those thoughts. And I think it's just good for, it expands your mindset. So that's why I like to do the running. So, yeah, that sounds like a pretty full routine, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, it's like kind of what you were saying with the, with the running, you always kind of need that challenge, you know? And, uh, I also see too with exercise, it's such a long goal. It's like, it's such a journey. It's such a big space. Like with 75 hard, that's a long goal too. Like 75 days of doing all of this. But when you can get into fitness, it becomes a therapy or a tool forever. Like you never reach the goals. Like as soon as you hit 405 and 550 and 315, the next day there's another goal and there's another goal and mm -hmm. there's another goal. So it's almost like this lifelong journey of health that you begin to take, right? And chasing 315 on the bench is just as good as actually doing 315. Like yeah, the idea no, in your head for the next six months of getting there produces just as much endorphins or dopamine as the day you actually do it. So it's like this positive chase you can take with you forever. It's like the idea mm -hmm. of going on vacation. You think about going on vacation, it's awesome. It's so cool. You can't wait. You're thinking about the plane ride and you're so excited. And you get there, it's awesome too. But it's not as awesome as when you were thinking about it. You know, And that's how I feel about the gym. Because I'm always thinking about it. It's always like creating happiness and joy and determination and progress in my mind. And then when I do it, it creates that too, but I can always be there. I have it forever. It's like I threw away the addiction and the drugs and the alcohol and the partying and just replaced it with that. And yep. it works a thousand times better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, I have that same, same story. So it's a, it's, it's just awesome that it's a never ending, it's a never ending journey. And if you put the work in, it will incrementally get better. So it's just one of those things that if you put the plan together, you put, you put in the work, most importantly, then you're, you're going to get better every single day. You're going to see the results. So, um, it's just really, it's the main difference is between the drug and the alcohol consumption and the fitness is it's the difference between instant gratification and delayed gratification the, you know, the, the drugs and the alcohol are going to make you feel good in the moment. The next day you're going to feel terrible though. It's every, time. every single time, <laughs> every single time. Right. And then, and then in your brain, you think, Oh my gosh, why did I do this? I did, I'm doing this again. But with fitness, it's terrible in the moment. Sometimes right? I, I personally love it, but if it's not your thing, then it's terrible in the moment. Right. But then that next day you're like, Oh yes, I won the day yesterday. That's awesome. And that's heavily talked about in, in, in the Bible as well. Uh, the difference between instant gratification, delayed gratification. If, if you have a moment in life where you're thinking 
is this going to make me feel good in the moment? And then it's going to make me feel bad tomorrow. Or do I need to put in the work right now to feel better tomorrow? Always put in the work and feel better tomorrow. It's just, it's a hundred percent of the time it's going to be better. Um, the instant gratification isn't going to serve you. And that could be with drugs and alcohol to be with the food you're consuming. It could be with anything that is toxic, right? So um, always choose the delayed gratification because it's going to fulfill you more than feeling good in the moment. So. Dude, absolutely. You're right. That is the number one thing with addiction is you're seeking. Well, and even in the world we live in with social media and everything at our fingertips, it's like you just get addicted to instant gratification. Amazon, it'll be here tomorrow. This or that. You know, you just get so used to that, that it's really difficult to train your brain that having a goal and working towards it, you get all those dopamine hits before you get there. Kind of like what Dallas was saying and, and not as much as when you actually get there. So, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing, but it definitely takes a lot of training, especially if you've been on the other side of always needing that constant instant gratification and how to, how to change that process and that brain chemistry because your, your, your brain becomes wired that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. The big question for me and the thing that I've noticed, uh, you know, obviously I'm Jack, I'm super glad you brought up that delayed gratification, instant gratification thing. But what I've noticed and I've told clients this for years and it's something I've observed as well is like we all have the skill to delay the gratification. We all do it in, in plenty of different ways. Most human beings understand investments, right? Like lose money now to have more money later. And we get it yep. in these very simple concepts or these very uh, ways that you see in the world all the time. You know, do this now, you'll get this later. But in addiction, I see that a lot, or not addiction, but in people with addictive issues or people in recovery, they don't quite understand instant gratification versus delayed gratification with their emotions. Like outside of their emotions, they get it. They understand investments. They understand if I do this and I work for two weeks, in two weeks I'll get money and get paid for it and it'll all work out. But as far as right now feeling like crap or right now I don't like the way that I feel, for some reason, the emotions have to change right now. They can't sit with an emotion that's uncomfortable knowing that it would go away tomorrow. And what I've come to realize too is sometimes their experience doesn't tell them that things will get better. So it's like they have this idea that things won't get better and if I don't change it now, I'll never feel good. And I see that just drive the addiction, just drive the suffering and it's a very hard concept to to change, you know, but mm -hmm. the ways you can change it, sorry to the audience if I keep talking about fitness and you hate me for it, <laughs> but fitness, you just practice your fitness, man, you know, <laughs> practice sitting with your emotions and, and, and observing them actually change over time. And mm -hmm. it's just such a crazy experience that I've, I've, I've seen. So I'm glad that you brought it up, Jack. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you mentioned the emotions part. It's so true. It's it's, it's that's baffling. So, yeah, so, it's crazy. So true. Yeah, I've never thought of it in that um, sense, and uh, I love I love that. So I think it's just making it okay to be uncomfortable, making it okay to feel like shit, 
you know, <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like it's not everyone. Like, it's not like every day for me is amazing. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. But had um, certain emotions, their emotions are, are good. Like you're supposed to have emotions. They're normal. Everyone has them. I'm sad at times. I'm angry at times, but not letting your whole day be affected by those emotions and letting your actions be dictated by your emotions. Like if you're in an emotional state, you should probably take a step back, take a pause and think is what I'm thinking about right now. Is this an emotional state or is this logical? And if it's emotional, you need to really um, analyze what you're doing or you need to talk to someone and have them um, essentially um, disconnect someone that's not, in that state and someone that can then disconnect from what, how you're feeling and then give you more of a logical response. So I think having someone there that you can talk to who's not in that state, who can then counsel you through what you're going through is very key as well. Well, and then also just uh, being okay with sitting with it, you know, and, and seeing how that feels and going through that emotion without the need to try to change it and medicate it or forget about it. You know, and I think it's probably much more difficult for you guys as men, because I think you're taught from a very young age that men need to be strong and they can't be emotional and they have to, you know, put on a certain front and real boys don't cry. And, you know, you guys are kind of bombarded with this sort of upbringing that it probably, um, whereas us girls, we're, you know, emotional and everybody knows we're emotional. And so when we're emotional, everyone's like, yeah, they're just being emotional. So there's, I think, it's a part for more the course. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it must, it's, and I can only imagine and it is more difficult for, for you guys. Um, and it is difficult for us too, at least for me in a position of leadership, like I'm not allowed to have emotions either, but, um, to just sort of let it be and let it be as long as it needs to be until it no longer is. And, and just comfortably uncomfortably or comfortably sit through that uncomfortableness until you get to the other side of it. So something that I just thought of is that when you're emotional and then you mask it with things like alcohol and drugs, the emotion doesn't go away. No, it's just going to come back at a later time. And then you're going to feel the after effects of the alcohol and the drugs. And it's going to make the emotions way worse than if you had just dealt with them in the moment. You can't just emotions like, um, especially like sadness, sadness doesn't go away. Neither does anger. It's, and if you, if you take care of it in the moment, as opposed to dealing with it, all you're really doing is extending that emotion to a later time. And it's usually even worse than if you were to deal with it in the moment. Um, so dude, absolutely. Yeah. Emotions are just like a, a credit card bill. You know, it's, it doesn't go away. It's still going to be there yeah. tomorrow. And the way it goes away is you pay it, you know, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's just like uh, acceptance, you know? Um, but Jack, one question I had for you too, man, was I know before the show we were talking about a previous podcast that uh, we did on the Elevate podcast. We were talking about kind of like the alcohol culture and, mm-hmm. you know, like accept like people thinking it's strange if you don't drink, people finding it bizarre that you choose not to do these things that a lot of other people do. How has that come up in, in, in your life recently? as being someone that doesn't drink or do drugs, like, do you experience that where it's like weird for you to be sober at all? 
Yeah, I, I, I do experience that. Um, it used to be a lot tougher than right. it is now, but now I've really trained my brain into um, something that I've been working on a lot for myself is um, not seeking the approval of others and not deviating on the goals that I have that I know I need to accomplish um, because I'm making someone else comfortable yeah. based on positive decisions that I'm making. So 75 hard has helped a lot with that. Um, but now, I mean, really, if someone is that like uncomfortable, I really like this may be like a mean comment, but I'm just like, is me not drinking ruining your time? Yeah. Right. Like I just present them with that question. Like, why is me participating in this ruining, um, the experiences that you're having right now? So like I said, it used to be a lot harder than it is now. Like now it's, it's, it's no factor for me. I don't really like if someone is uncomfortable because I'm not drinking, it's like, well, that's your own problem. Yeah, not mine. That sucks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I'm, like I said, I'm not going to allow the expectations of other people to dictate the decisions that I'm making. Um, when those decisions are moving me forward and helping me become the man I need to be to, um, provide for my family in the future. And, um, just get me better. Yeah. So, and we, and we talked about, you know, a lot of times it's just, uh, it's, it's projecting an uncomfortable mirror back on themselves. And so maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's yeah. an opportunity for them to say, why does this make me feel uncomfortable that you're not drinking? I mean, we can hope that's what's coming out of it. Uh, a lot of times people don't get there until there's some, some wreckage and stuff, but, um, I think, you know, it could invoke a good response too. Yeah, no, nine times out of 10, that's really what it is, right? And I want to, uh, something that my girlfriend Katrina and I, we want to, we want to be, we want to be examples of, um, of great people around, um, those around us in our relationship and our finances, um, and how we treat other people. And one of the reasons why we, um, decided not to drink is because, it makes us automatically different in those settings and it automatically makes people think that question, what makes them different? And then from there, they start analyzing who we are um, as individuals. And we just want to show um, the people around us what excellence looks like and what um, putting yourself first looks like and not seeking the approval of others. Cause that's really um, something that is toxic in today's society is being hyper-focused on the worrying about the opinions and the approval of others, especially when you don't even know them. So, yeah. um, dude, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point, Jack. I like that because it shows confidence in yourself and, and what you're doing and, and where you're going and you don't need the validation from others to know where you want to go. And, and you're right. You don't see that very often these days, right? Most people are like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Like, if you like what I'm doing, then I, maybe I could like what I'm doing a little bit more. So it is kind of like nomadic or different to be like, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing 75 hard. Me and my girlfriend are trying to be the best versions of ourselves, And both of us don't give a shit what you think. <laughs> I like that. I prescribe to that a lot because I think it shows it shows confidence in who you are as a person. It shows me that you know who you are 
and I, and people can appreciate that. People totally can appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think some people sacrifice, um, a, ha, like sacrifice their values and making themselves proud at the expense of having the approval of other people. Right. And something that, that I am proud of myself, um, for today, probably one of the most proud things, um, for myself is that I can actually look in the mirror. And when I look in the mirror, I'm proud of myself and I can make eye contact with myself for most of my twenties. I hated myself when I looked in the mirror yeah, man. and that was because day after day, after day, after day, I would make poor decision after poor decision, after poor decision. And I just didn't like what I saw. Right. But now I'm, change that and you know i like looking at myself in the mirror here and there i don't get hyper focused on it <laughs> but i'm not hiding i'm not hiding from it like i'm not like taking a blind eye when i'm walking past the mirror if, if you know what i mean of course so i feel like a lot of the times people sacrifice um loving themselves to try and get the approval of others and that is the last thing that you want to do if you want to be happy and you want to feel fulfilled so I think your before and after picture really says it all because not only is there the obvious physical transformation that you went through in the last two years, but you can see the health transformation, just your skin tone, the way you look and the confidence, like there's a much more, you know, at ease and in your comfortable in your own skin kind of feeling that you get. And that's really what it is. It's, you know, it's, it's a total body, mind, soul experience and transformation that you went through and it's very obvious and it's really cool to see. Yeah. Thank you. I don't, I don't like looking at that old picture yeah. to be honest, but it, it really gives a good indication of kind of the journey. So that's why I and it's a good reminder of where you never want to go back to. You know, I think if we, a lot of yeah. people, and we even see this, you know, at elevate people forget, they feel so good when they leave, they forget what they were like when they came in and you kind of almost need that. Like, let's take a real hard look at this before photo. So you remember where you came from because it's, I think it's just natural. You start feeling good. You get a little cocky, a little confident and you, you forget what, what got you to that place. So I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. No, most definitely. Cool. I love that. Well, what were you going to say, Ange? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think, um, is there any last advice or wisdom uh, you would like to impart to our, with our listeners? And me. Um, I would just, yeah, I mean, I would just say, um, if you're in a bad place right now, um, just make the decision. Don't wait tomorrow. I told myself, over a thousand times I would start tomorrow or I'd start Monday or this was going to be the last weekend. You can't have that mindset. You got to start today and the decisions you make today can then transition into tomorrow. And really, if you want to change your life, if it's in your fitness, if it's um, overcoming addiction habits, you have to make, you have to take it decision by decision by decision. And uh, first and foremost, um, quit, chasing the approval of others, chase the, the love that you have for yourself. And that is rooted from um, adopting a lifestyle of delayed gratification as opposed to instant gratification. If you constantly chasing the instant gratification, you'll never be happy. You'll never be fulfilled. So. Perfect. Boom. Well said, brother. Well said. That is uh, no, no words have ever been spoken that true. And that, 
If people could live by that, that would be amazing. You know, if people could just do that, that would be great. I used to always say when I was a drug addict, I'll get sober tomorrow. You know, <laughs> tomorrow's so the best day to get sober. <laughs> yeah. That didn't so, work. Didn't serve at all. So it, <laughs> <laughs> listen to Jack. Never does. So. Awesome. Well, Jack, man, hey, dude, it's been so great having you on the show. I think we've touched on just some relevant topics, you know, and I, I think you sharing your story has been super impactful and has been super helpful, and there's been a lot of nuggets to take away, uh, myself included, and, and I've really enjoyed talking with you, my friend. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you allowing me to tell my story and asking the questions to open up the book called Jack Cancel. Yeah, it's a good book, man. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Jack. I really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.